Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all you loyal steamers out there, thank you so much for uh, joining us once again for another episode of the Steam Room. I'm in a good mood today, Ernie. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley at your service. I'm glad you're in a good mood. I am. The calendar has turned to February now. Big month. Yeah. Big Black month. Hi- Black History Month. I was thinking about more like my birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, that too. But it is Black History Month as well. Well, in fairness, y'all gave us the shortest month too. What What did I say? <laughs> Folks, how long did that take? Hey, everybody. Ernie Johnson. We're about to start the steam room, (laughs) and I'm going to make a quick prediction for you. When I point out to Charles that it's now February, and thus is Black History Month, I know what he's going to say. I've known him a long time. You will hear him say this. Pretty nice of y'all to give us the shortest month of the year. Mark my word, it's going to happen. That is, now, that is flat out awesome. I'm driving in this morning and, I th- and I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Oh, wow, it's February. Okay, and it's, yeah. Okay, Black History Month. And oh, I know exactly what Chuckster's going to say. That, that's right, right Man, on time. You and I have been together way, 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 too, way long. too long. Way too long. But you know, I'm in a really good mood. And I want to say this I just want to give a shout out to Rex Chapman. Yep. I'm talking, I'm not even joking. I had 40, 50 people walk up to me and say, yo, man. The thing y'all did with Rex Chapman was incredible. So shout out to Rex Chapman for opening his his heart up. And man, man, it was it was it was so it was amazing. It so, was. It was so a, I'm in a good mood yeah. to start the, the steam room. And and in this episode, we're gonna be talking, ladies and gentlemen, to Michael B. Jordan uh in yeah, just a bit. I'm a little mad at him. Well, you can take that up with him when the, like, when we get there. I'm trying to figure out where I came in as the sexist man alive. Yeah. I think you were top something. See, there you uh, go again. There you go again. <laughs> you were in the conversation. Honorable mention. <laughs> no, you were just in the conversation. Okay. First of all, what you got, man? No, my Detroit Lions. Uh, that was painful. You know, my Eagles, I'm an Eagles fan, but they stunk up the joint, so I jumped on the Lions bandwagon. What a really good game. Uh, you know, I've been on Dan Campbell's bandwagon. All year, I love myself some Dan Campbell, but I think he made a couple mistakes in that game. Gotta take the points, right? uh, I think two things. When you're up two possessions on the road and you can make it three possessions, I think you have to kick that field goal. Three possessions is a lot. We all in this business of hindsight, uh, he he made that point, but I think on the road, 
Well, you got a chance to go up three possessions. You got to kick that field goal. That's kind of been their MO all year long. I yeah, mean, but, it's like going for broke and going for hey, it on fourth down and that kind of thing. And Yeah, but you know, there's a difference between regular season and playoffs. Yep. In the playoffs, you got 17 games. You can play the next week. In a must-win situation, one and done, you got to take the points. And I thought he should have kicked the field goal the second time because the house was already on fire. You had to stop the bleeding and tie the game up. Because if you like, if you when you didn't get that field goal, now you're behind. You at the mercy. Uh, it didn't matter because they went down and scored. But I think it's a different ball game if you tie it up. Now both teams feel pressure. But San Francisco had the lead and the ball, the two most important thing in sports, the lead and the ball. So as much as I love Dan Campbell, I got to give him a little grief. He should have kicked those two field goals. But, hey, uh, the Lions had a terrific season. They've been bad for 30, 40 years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, seeing the great Barry Sanders there, the great Calvin Johnson, seeing those guys on the sideline. Still haven't met Eminem yet. He's on your uh, He's on my bucket, bucket list. list. Eminem is on my bucket list. I can't believe you guys haven't crossed paths. Uh, fact for you. <laughs> never been to Detroit. You've never been to Detroit? Never been to Detroit. Come on, man. They've never played in Detroit when well, I played. Well, they played at Auburn Hills. And but the, you never went into the city? Because it was like an hour and a half away. Okay. Uh, they played, when I, when I first, I'm so old, they played in the Silver Dome first. Yeah. Yeah, that dump. Uh, that was a dump. Pontiac. Pontiac Silver yeah. was a dump. And then they played in Auburn Hills. Yeah. So uh, one of these days I'm going to get to Detroit. Uh, no time soon. The way the Pistons are playing. Uh, <laughs> but, man, shout out to the Lions and Dan Campbell. I don't agree with those two decisions, but, man, you guys had a fantastic year. It was great to see the Lions back relevant again. What else you got? Okay, guys. Well, here comes the exhale again. See, the first one was okay. No. I could deal with that. I don't know about this one, though. So I'm watching TV the last couple of days, and guys are complaining about the 65-game thing. And the players got nobody to blame but themselves. First of all, I told you, it should have been 70. We're talking, yeah, we're talking about the, the minimum 65 games played to, win awards. to be eligible for awards yes. at the end of the NBA season. I thought it should have been 70. I told you that. But – I love the way everybody's mad at the – first of all, the players of the union agreed to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Asking guys to play 65 games out, out of 82, 82. I, I don't think that's a lot. And I'm disappointed. The players, man, you guys uh, – and I'm – listen, man, bless y'all, make all this money, but y'all are just being jackasses about this thing. Man, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Bill Russell – Bill Russell made $10,000 a year, and he played all the games. Dr. J, I think the most he made was 250 some thousand. You guys are making $30, $40, 50000000 million to play stupid basketball 65 days a year, and y'all are complaining. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I got nothing against you guys. Y'all are the luckiest dudes in the world. First of all, most of y'all can't play dead in a Western movie, and y'all are making all this damn money, and y'all had audacity to complain because they want y'all to play 65 out of 82 games to win awards. You're still getting paid. But in some cases, there is a, a huge bonus to kick in or a contract or a max contract well, situation. That, that, but that's on all NBA. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and listen, I don't agree with that, that portion of it. 
But to have guys complain and tell me you can't win certain awards if you don't play 65 out of 82 games, I have a serious issue with that. You know what uh, one possible solution would be from from my standpoint as a voter? Because I'm all in on this too. Because last year it was like, should I consider this guy for this award? Look at the number of games. Who am I to judge w- you know, what the line is? Maybe you can be voted second or third team and still be on an all-NBA team, so, but so- not first team. So it only matters on first team all NBA? No, it matters on everything. Okay. It matters on all those awards, but you're talking about, you know, the all NBA teams and some of the stuff that kicks in if you make an all NBA team. I think your point as well. Like if a guy plays less games, he can make second and third team, but he still get the max. Yeah, that- I mean when you're I think a lot of a lot of those are if you make all NBA and that's first, second, and third team. Okay. So yeah. that that to me would be a great compromise. I think that I think that would be equitable and I feel uncomfortable already, Chuck, and I do every year, yeah. in being one of these guys who's determining how much money a guy's going to get or yeah. if he does get that. Uh, I know there are, it's not like only my vote, you know, 100, yeah. 125 guys voting, but it's still kind of an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. I, I don't want to be in, involved in somebody's finances. No. Well, way. number one, Ernie, being a better person than me, that was a compromise. I got another compromise. Get off your ass and play basketball. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Come Chuckster. on, man. We're not. We're, think about it. I'm pretty sure teachers don't feel good sometimes, but they go to work. I'm pretty sure nurses. You think the nurses want to go to the hospital doing COVID? No, but they went. And I guarantee you they're not making 34 to $50 million. Yo, man, we play basketball. I, I, I love when the guy say, uh, his, uh, you know, he had a, he was in pain. I'm like, yo, man, you, you play pro sports. You're always going to be in pain. That's that's part of the gig. But we're the luckiest dudes in the world. We make more money in one month than most people are going to make in 10 years. So, man, appreciate how lucky and blessed you are. Come on, man. What, what be, else you got, be man? Be appreciative. Is that it for that's first it. of all? That's it, brother. That was plenty. Thank you. But it was... Uh, now we get to the... We, that was the appetizer. Now we get to the, the main event. <laughs> That'd be uh, Michael B. Jordan joining us in the steam room next. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we welcome you back inside the steam room, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. This is big today. It's not often, Chuckster, that you have three guys who perennially are in the running for world's sexiest man all together in In one one, place. In one spot. (laughs) You, me, and Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) 
There's only one rule in the steam room, and that is keep your towel on. And so Got it. as long as you can follow that rule, we are in good shape. It is wonderful to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Good to see you guys again, man. I love talking with you guys. Hey, I got to ask you a question before we start talking serious. Call when you get the phone call and they tell you the sexiest man alive, like I can tell you what this is, Chuck. Oh, well, you want Michael to answer? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so first of all, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh when they say that, cause like it's a. I mean, cause you like, are y'all serious? It's one of those things that you think you think you want <laughs> to get that that title, but then right after, you know, the group chats and all your boys talk. Oh, you think you sex? Oh, you think you this? Oh, this that? You know, I could be, you know, you know, drinking some tea. Oh, look at him drinking tea like he's the sexiest man alive. Like, what you talking? About? Like, what are you? What? Nah, but it's a gift and a curse, man. But it's cool, man. It's it's, it's cool. So it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. Is that what you're telling it's us? It's not all it's cracked up to be. You you know how it is, Ernie, man. You know what I'm saying? Sexiest yeah. man alive. You know what I mean? expectations. Every time you show up to be sexy, Ernie is tough, right? There, there are there are a lot of drawbacks, especially as you get older. Now at 67, I'm finding it even harder to to come yeah. to grips with. It. Um, hey, let's talk hoops, man. Let's talk about what's going Let's on this it. weekend with the uh, Invesco QQQ Legacy Classic. You're the yep. creator of this, uh, you know, and as you bring awareness to HBCUs and uh, put a couple of games on. Tell me about it. Honestly, it started, you know, uh, you know, years ago, you know, watching the Maui Maui Invitational, you know, and just seeing what that was. And I was like, man, you know, they got these, these colleges coming together. They're meeting in a remote location. You know, they're playing and, you know, all the all the different events that were around that weekend that I know the players got involved in. And I was like, man, why doesn't, you know, HBCUs have an opportunity to, you know, have a, a showcase like that. At first I was like, you know what, I want to start it in my hometown. So we started in Newark, New Jersey and really wanted to give a platform to the HBCUs that play such a pivotal role in our culture and our community and, and growing the next generation. And a lot of student athletes, you know, usually they don't prefer to go to HBCUs because of the, the ambitions to get to the next, you know, level of competition. They want to go pro, go to the league. And there hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, NBA players that have come through the HBCU circuit. So I felt like bringing awareness to the HBCU platform was a start and trying to build things around it to make it more cool, make it make it desirable for these young players to make a decision and, you know, nothing against these Ivy League schools, but to go to a Hampton or a Howard or, you know, a Grambling State or a Jackson State rather than, you know, maybe, a, you know, a Duke or Kentucky, a Kentucky or one of these other high profile schools that have a plethora of athletes coming in and out. So that was kind of like the, the original thought behind it. And then I wanted to, you know, build financial literacy is a really big thing. You know, having the conversation around your finances. I think as young people, you don't think about that as much at a young age. But since the name and likeness came about and there's been more financial opportunities for young people, I feel like having a conversation around your finances and around money and how to take care of your money at an earlier age was super important. So we started to build those things into it as well. You know, I'm so glad you meant that because, number one, I always want players to be taken care of. I'm really concerned about some of the smaller big schools, uh, first and foremost, because some of those schools, they, they can't afford to pay players. And then there's going to be the negative impact on the HBCUs. Number one, I appreciate you bringing awareness, but the name, image, and likeness thing, I, I really, I don't even know what we can do about it now because the toothpaste is out of the tube. But I know the smaller schools and especially HBCUs going to really struggle because I would love to see some young kids go to HBCUs, but 
You're like, nah, we're going to give you a couple million dollars to come here. How do we balance that? I think, you know, and I, like you said, the toothpaste is out of the tube, man. I, I think we're kind of, you know, we're working backwards, reverse engineering it a little bit, you know, because it happens so quickly. I think brand partnerships might be really helpful to kind of like supplement the lack of funds and money a university might have to kind of, you know, to, to get these students to come to the university. Then also it's like, you know, it's entertainment, man. There's a lot of alumni, there's a lot of black professional athletes that I feel like um, if they got involved in some of these HBCUs, if they adopted an HBCU, if they if they they if they created a partnership, you know, with some of maybe these top guys in the league, there might be a, a edge like, you know, I want to go to bronze camp. I want to go to Camaro Anthony's camp. I want to go to, you know, uh, a Kevin Durant camp. You know, you start pairing up maybe these HBCUs with some of these high profile players and it might be an opportunity to start getting you know, top tier talent, you know what I'm saying? Development talent into HBCUs earlier um, with some type of incentive uh, if that's the game that we're going to be playing now. Hey, you know what? We we joke with you about, you know, this world's sexiest man thing, but you've also been on list for the, uh, you know, the 100 most influential uh, people in the world. And so what weight does that carry with you? And I think it's obvious from just from your first couple answers, look, you care deeply about about things and dive headlong into it. But what is the, uh, once you're a person of influence, what does that, what weight does that carry with it? For number one, it's an honor to be mentioned amongst, you know, so many other people who in, in my eyes are doing, you know, such incredible work to really like change in the world, you know, and, and really make an impact on people in a, in a really big way and issues. So however I could kind of do that, you know, on my small scale, you know, um, through entertainment, through awareness, through entrepreneurship, you know, um, uh, philanthropy work, you know, uh, you know, that, that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm a man of service. You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to help people as much as I can. It's just reassurance that you're doing the right things and you're making the right choices, you know, and, and, and you're, and you're on the right path. So for me, being on a list like that is just continue to do the work, you know, continue to be honest and, 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 uh, and try to help people wherever I can. Let's talk a little business. Now, one of the great shows in television history, if people actually mm-hmm. pay attention is the wire. How much fun was that to be on? It was so much fun, bro, because at that time I was such I was I was so young. I didn't really know I, I you know, I didn't know what that show was going to be at the time. You know, I was around so many like talented veterans. Um, you know, it just elbows on there. Wood Harris, you had Dominic West, JD Williams, Andre Royo, uh, Wendell Pierce, uh, David Simon. You know, there's so many incredible actors that I got an opportunity at a young age to just learn from, you know, and we were supposed to get canceled the first season. We were supposed to get canceled the second season. And it wasn't after the second season that they got the the the, the deal for the third, fourth and the fifth. Uh, so we we were always in a place of just happy to be here. But for me, honestly, like, you know, throughout my, my career, it opened up so many other doors for me with other roles and other productions because they were such big fans of The Wire. So being such big fans of that show and that character really hit home with a lot of people. Um, it definitely gave me uh, a lot of opportunity with roles in the future. So that show, that show, I mean, honestly, uh, set a lot of things off for me. You, you know what's amazing? I wish people would go back and look at The Wire because, man, you just blurted out some names that's like incredible all across the board. And I, I hate that show didn't get more exposure because yeah. when you go back and look at The Wire, you're like, man, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I know Wendell pretty good. But when you're sitting around yeah. and you when you go back and look at it, 
You're like, damn, what an impressive cast. So who was one of the guys on that cast like, hey, Young Gun, they really took you under their wing? Because, you know, in the NBA, Moses Malone for me in, in my basketball career. He's the most important person in my basketball career. Who on that set that you like, I want to, I'm studying this dude, and he mentored you a little bit? Uh, two guys come to mind. One was J.D. Williams, because he was from Newark. He played Bodie, you know? Yes. From Newark, New Jersey. Spent a lot of time with him. He really, really helped me kind of acclimate to just, like, on-set life, you know, and what that was like, like, and 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 into the craft, too, a bit. And the other person that really, really, um, I credit to helping me fall in love with acting was probably Andre Royal, who played, who played Bubbles. And it was a time where, you know, Wallace was going through some, you know, some emotional stuff. And, you know, he started, you know, using drugs a little bit. And he was like, you know, going towards the end of the first season. And as a young kid, I'm like, man, I have no idea what any of that is like. Like, how do I get into this character? How do I make this as real as possible for me? And Andre Royal really set me to the side and, and talked me through kind of like that acting process of, you know, not becoming, not coming somebody else in your mind and performance and really like talking me through those, those, those performance steps. And it's something that stuck with me for a really long time. So I would say Andre Royal was one of those guys that was like, Hey Mike, if you keep this up, you know, you can, you know, you can make a career out of it, you know? And I was like, all right, cool. And, and I kind of fell in love with acting like around the same time. So I credit those two guys, honestly. Um, and obviously they, they, it's all of them are big, big, big brothers to me. Michael K. Williams was a big brother, you know, rest in peace to him, you know, um, you know, played Omar on that show. Uh, and, and yeah, we, I was really blessed to have an incredible cast. You know what's so funny about Michael K. Williams? I was in Publix one day. Rest in you, peace. You're, you're in right. Publix all the time. I know, man. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, uh, the guy, uh, uh, my man who uh, owns Publix is the Auburn no, I, graduate. I, I I'm always but you're in there all the time. I am in there. Okay. But I'm in line one day, <laughs> and Michael K. Williams comes up behind me and say, can I say hello? I said, hell yeah, you can say hello. I said, dude, it's an honor and a privilege to meet you. He says, you know who I am? I said, dude, everybody know who you are. And we were just standing in line. I said, yo, man, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And keep doing your thing. So I want to ask you about this, because this is probably your first, like, man, this guy is great. Fruitville Station. It's intense. It's a true story. What type of pressure you feel like acting, like when you're acting as a character, that's different. But when you're playing yep. like a real live person and you, it's a really serious subject. What's that like? Uh, at that time, it was a, it, it was a lot of pressure for a lot of other reasons. You know, I, um, Trayvon Martin, you know, uh, you know, we just killed, you know, and murdered, you know, um, you know, not too far before I shot that movie. And at that time, I was really looking for a project to kind of express myself, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a real way through my work. And, um, and, 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 and uh, Ryan Coogler, you know, we had met right around that same time. So it was a project, a vehicle for me that I wanted to get a lot off my chest. But at the same time, I've never, I never was the lead. I never had to carry a film. And I didn't, you know, as, and, and as actors, you know, there's a point moment in your career where you're, you're kind of wondering, can you open a film? Can you, can you lead a movie? So there's a lot of that doubt and questions and kind of anxiety that I was floating around in my head. And then on top of that, Chuck, to, to your point of like, you know, it's a real person, you know, he has, he has, you know, has a daughter, you know, you know, a mother and friends and family that knew him so well. So getting their blessing and their sign off and, and their approval, you know, over the performance and over the work, um, was the biggest kind of like, you know, just emotional anxiety obstacle that I had at that time. 
Um, but but there there is a little pressure there, you know, to kind of get it right, you know, and and wanting to the essence of who Oscar Grant was, and 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 wanted that to come through the character and through the movie, and and a film beautifully written and directed by Ryan Coogler, you know, um, really gave me the space and opportunity to become that to become him, you know, as much as I could, and uh, and and it really opened up a lot of doors for me. You can draw parallels. Chuckster to to your guy's career too to to a, an NBA career. Are you ready to mm. take that jump to be the man? Can you know like mm. Michael? You talk about can I carry a film? Can I be the guy? Yep. And and it's the same thing, isn't it, Chuck? I mean, you see that in NBA careers, and it's it's traumatizing because you see so many people fail. I tell you why I noticed it the most in coaching. Like every assistant coach is not going to be a head coach. They're great assistants. We always talk about in sports, in in NBA specifically, man, it's about six inches between the head coach and his number one assistant. That's the longest six inches under pressure. And you see it all the time. Uh, A lot of my NFL friends tell me, like, yo, man, he's a great coordinator. He's not a head coach. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, dude, everybody, everybody can't handle the pressure of being the man. And to, to piggyback on Michael's point, like, Okay, can I can I open a film? Can I be a big star? And you see it all the time. I just been watching. Uh, it's so funny. I'm watching this. You know, I to, I told you to start watching Special Ops Lioness. Oh yeah. That's a guy named Mike. I think his name is Michael Kelly, who's in everything, and he's a fantastic actor. You know, I, so so you always wonder like, okay, he's just a great character actor. And my, to mm. piggyback on Michael's point, like everybody ain't no star. I mean, everybody's not mm. a star. Now, everybody think they want to be the star, but they can't handle the pressure of being a star because it's tremendous pressure. When you when he talk about, no, dude, you got to open the movie and people got to want to come see you. And people think like, mm-hmm. I can do it, I can do it. Like, yeah, everybody can't do it. What's your best advice to a, to a, a, a would-be actor? Somebody who wants to be you. Somebody who's just starting out. If you sit down with them face-to-face, what do you tell them? I tell them all the horror stories that I can and I give it to them straight. You know, it's not about because what people see is is the end result. Right. They see they see the, the, the accolades. They see the success. They see the campaigns and the posters and the movies and all that good stuff. But they don't you know, nobody's really sitting down and talking to talking to them about how alone it is. That journey is, you know, um, all the no's that you're going to get uh, the almost you know, uh, roles that you're going to get, the, the, the rejection, the, the, the self-doubt, you know, the mental health aspect of it all, you know, um, you know, becoming other characters, diving into to those worlds, uh, trying to find your place. You know, I think you're defined by what you say no to. You know, and I, I tell a lot of the, you know, up and coming, you know, act, you know, actors and people that want to get into the industry is like, you know, you can't say yes to everything. You know, you got to say no to some things. You know, I think the power of no is extremely, um, you know, important. You know, as, as an actor, as a, as an artist, you know, um, you, have to, you have to retain your 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 artistry. But then I also tell them this because I don't want to be completely like you know what I'm saying like pessimistic about it because you know everybody can't like you said everybody can't be a star everybody can't you know get to that level but you have to be obsessed over it and if you're not giving a hundred percent you know it's going to show. You know, and that's going to be the difference. It's the same way, I guess, I guess, in, you know, in sports and hoops. If you're not in the gym, you know, putting up those shots, I try to find 
like what gives me the edge over everybody else. To follow up on that though, how many times you reckon you read for a part and didn't get it? Oh man, so much. <laughs> so much that it discouraged you or not? So much that it gave me a healthy chip on my shoulder, you know, that it gave me a chip that like, it was like, all right, that's what y'all, that's what, that's what it is. That that's what's getting it out there. Okay, cool. Let me, let me, let me put some more time into it. Let me study a little bit more. Let me, you know, what gives me the edge in an audition room? An audition is so, it's so hard. It's difficult. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not fair to the actors a lot of times. You know, a lot, you can hear other actors auditioning, you know, sometimes their scenes, you know, that gets into your head. You, know, you sit in the waiting room and hear somebody in the back going, you know, to me, to me. And you're like, oh shit, that's how you're doing it? Okay, cool. There's all those elements of the process of just getting the job. I think one thing I did have to learn is what's for you is for you. And you can't be jealous or upset that you didn't get a role. It, you just weren't right for it, you know? Um, because, but because somebody can't take away what's yours and what's meant for you. Um, and and, I, and, I, and I, I believe that wholeheartedly. So I think that was the maturity of it. I started so young, you know, you had to kind of, you know, you know, you have to growing up in the industry is something also very different than coming into the industry as uh, as, a, as a grown man. When you come into a grown man, you got ego, you got some other thing. You know, there's a lot of blockage, you know, in, in the way of like doing what you got to do to get get the job done. But when I started out young, I was like, OK, I'm just learning. I could try things. I could try that. I, I could be an extra. I'll be a background. You know, I'll be a stand-in. I'll do whatever it takes to learn. And then, and then I got to the point where 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 I'm opening movies and you know and producing them as, as well. So I, I, I asked all my actor friends this, and you don't have to be specific. Have you ever been shooting a movie and say? This is a shit movie. <laughs> you put him on the ropes with that. I, I, but he, I said he reeled back. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 for sure. It's like you just hope it turns out, you know, for the best, you know. And you just you just hope that in the edit, because this is the thing: you write one movie, you shoot one movie, and you edit one movie. So you, it's three movies being made. You know what I'm saying? So you hope when you're shooting a movie, somehow in the edit, it's going to come together a lot better than what you think it is while you're making it. Uh, and, uh, but, but luckily for me, I, I, few and far between, I've been blessed. I, I got, a, I got a couple of those on my, under my belt, but you need them to keep you humble and also to show you what it's supposed to be like when you are on a really, really good set and you, and you're making a good film, you know, you gotta, you gotta know what the, what the spectrum so, is like. So I, are you directed the, the, the last creed or the last two? The last one, the last creed, la creed three is the one I directed. First of all, how hard is directing? And how hard is directing Michael B. Jordan? Directing is extremely difficult. Uh, directing Michael B. Jordan is, uh, <laughs> is, 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 is even harder because... Because he's a pain. You got to critique. <laughs> yeah, he, dude, this dude is a little, little ego, you know what I mean? A little bit of a diva. You know what I mean? So he's high maintenance. <laughs> so high maintenance. That guy. Uh, no, but it's, you know, it was a lot of first times and I had to learn a lot. You know, I, I, I think... Being able to be in a scene and sometimes not check out, but direct while I'm acting. And that was a new thing, you know, like if 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 I need you guys to look left or look right, I'm not going to, you know, because the light is not hitting you the way I want to, you know, instead of yelling cut, all I got to do is just step up stage a little bit. And I'll bring your eyeline to where the light needs to be. Or if I if I'm on your coverage and I and I want to, you know, get a reaction out of you, you know, and I want a certain response, I can just give you 
the, 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 the line a certain type of way to give you a certain type of energy and you'll give me a response that I need. So just having that ability to manipulate and, 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 and flow within a scene was, a, was a new, was a new ability for me. Uh, so that was, that was something to, to learn, uh, earning the, the trust of your cast and your crew as, as an actor, a longtime actor, taking that next step was another challenge for me. So it, it was, it was challenges, but at the same time, I felt very natural at it, man. I felt very comfortable, you know, and, and I, and I can't wait to get behind the camera again. You're still a young guy. Who was the first person to put the directing bug in your ear? Ryan Coogler, it was like, you know, Mike, listen, one of these days, you know, you, you know, you've been on set all your life. You, you know what you're doing. There's no, there's no perfect time. Just do it. Like, just, just, just go for it. Just do it. You know? And, uh, and I jumped into the deep end. He was the first one that kind of, because then also it's like representation, right? It was cool to see somebody that looked just like me, that was around the same age as me. And this dude is directing hundred million dollar movies, you know, and, and he was doing it well. So for me, it was like, man, I saw somebody that looked at me doing it. I was like, oh man, I could do that too. So that type of representation was important to me, you know, and, and it gave me the confidence that I could step behind the camera as well. And then, so, so that was kind of where it started. And, you know, as I did my research, calling other active directors, like, you know, you know, Bradley Cooper, Ben Affleck, you know, Denzel Washington, you know, you know, people who have directed themselves also. And the challenges behind that was really helpful. Hey, last thing. Uh, so you beat Kyrie Irving in a shootout, Abu Dhabi, correct? Yeah, you know that is a that is a fact. <laughs> I, I, can, I can I can I can confirm that. I can also confirm, and and none of the tapes will, will show this, but he was shooting left hand. I saw him hit a two lot threes from from left handed from from deep. Left handed, yes, yes. So so you know us being you know Jersey boys, you know, and uh, Newark natives, you know, you know, my, you know he. Uh, <clears throat> I think he helped me out a little bit on that one, so I can't take full credit for that. <laughs> hey, it's great talking to you. Uh, as always, always good, we, we've loved having you in the studio with us in the it's past. Fun. It's always yes, it's always very cool to hang with you. And and thanks for thanks for being so generous with your time, and thanks for doing what you're doing this weekend for the HBCUs. Same man, thank you guys so much. And I just want to say, I say it to you guys all the time, man. What you guys do, you know, day in and day out, you know, on that segment on that show. You know, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with Shaq, you know, and Kenny, we look forward to it, you know, to see you guys up there, have those conversations, to have disagreements, but still be able to respect one another's opinion. You know, as men, I think it's super important the work that you guys are doing and you guys don't get enough praise for it. So I just want to say thank you for being y'all, for being accessible, for always being who you are, it, whether I meet you on the show or meet you on the street, man, you guys are, you guys are awesome, man. I just really appreciate you guys. Thank you, my brother. Continue success and have a great weekend. Got it, Chuck. Appreciate you, man. Love hanging out with I them. love, I mean, you know, and just, he's a good person too, man. That's yeah. what you got to like about him. What he's doing with those HBCUs, they can never get enough shine. Cause it's hard out here right now, man. Cause as I asked him earlier, man, I'm really concerned about small schools and HBCUs with this NIL crap. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, Chuckster, um, 
I have a funny feeling about this next segment simply because of this. Cap, our producer, Michael Kaplan, awesome producer, by the way, <laughs> always, that, always, always swings by my office before we tape the steam room, gives me a little rundown, say, hey, here's a couple of uh, notes on Michael B. Jordan, you know, some things. That, okay, good. That's, hey, what do you feel like doing for this? Okay, good. And he always brings up, oh, and, and TK's got this. There was no mention from Cap about TK. So I ask, uh, is TK on the show? And Sabelle, our stage manager, says, yeah, he's on. But I don't Sabelle's know what. stage manager? I don't know what he's doing, though. And, and now here he sits, the legendary longtime producer of Inside the NBA, now retired and appearing on the steam room to do what, what? exactly? What exactly is TK? Well, we're going to have a little Super Bowl trivia, Ernie. Oh, really? But before we do that, um, I was watching, I'm, just, I'm sure you were, the games this weekend. Who's getting more exposure, Charles Barkley Subway commercials or Tay-Tay Swift? First of all, allegedly that's my voice. I neither confirm or deny you know, <laughs> if you could get Taylor Swift on a Subway commercial, could you imagine that? I don't think, TK? I don't know if Subway can afford Taylor Swift. Oh, question for you guys. <laughs> Have y'all seen the sidekicks? Mm. The pretzel, the churro, and the big cookie? Oh, oh I saw oh, that. That's, yeah. that's on your, yeah, that's. Yeah. Which one would you go for? Pretzel. Big cookie. I'm actually going to go with Ernie on this one. I think the big cookie looks delicious. TK, what you got? Well, Chuck, do you, uh, how do you feel about all the blowback on Taylor Swift getting on TV? A lot of people seem to, a lot of uh, male football fans seem to be a little ticked off by it. Oh, get over it. Man, let me tell you something. You know, it's interesting. You know. It's not like you missed a we, touchdown. No, no. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> you know, you know TK, I, I wonder what kind of world we're living in now. You, you saw the stuff that's going on on Fox News, correct? I did not. So <laughs> we played it. Me and Gail played on our show last night. They said there's a vast left-wing conspiracy that was started four years ago that the Democrats want to make, they had want to make Taylor Swift really, really prominent. They're going to rig the Super Bowl so the Chiefs can win, and she's going to endorse Biden. These <laughs> People actually said this, like we played, I said, y'all are kidding me, right? Like four different adults on that station said, yeah, it started four years ago, this conspiracy with Taylor Swift, that they're going to get, it's rigged for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Are you sure you weren't just no. reading something on The Onion? No, no. That <laughs> sounds like No, that. Ernie, Ernie, I'm sitting there just like you, like, it's, you, just, it, it's yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. And then I got, you see the Ravens fans screaming at her after the game, Thomas, she ruined football. No, Man, no. Taylor Swift, you are one of the most talented women in the world. I'm happy for you and Travis. Forget these people, man. You think Taylor Swift got to do something to do with my guy missing the field goal because I bet on the Bills. <laughs> or the Ravens. I bet on the Ravens. I'm over for 2. I just... I'm hey, I'm over guy. I am, brother. <laughs> I, I'm over two in the AFC. If you think Taylor Swift got something to do with that, you're the biggest damn fool, first of all, and the biggest damn loser ever. 
<laughs> hey, TK, I asked this about 20 minutes ago. What you got today? <laughs> okay, Ernie, Chuck, what four teams have never appeared in the Super Bowl? Detroit Lions. Yep. Jacksonville Jaguars. No, they have. Yes, Ernie. Wait, he's right? Yes. Oh, wait, they got to the AFC Championship game with Tom Coughlin. My bad. Good call, Ernie. Thanks, Um. Wow. Wait, what about the New York Jets? No, huh? Joe How about Namath? Joe Namath, you It was big... not called a Super Bowl. Yes, it game, was. was it? Yeah. Was that yeah, the, it the was Super not Bowl called three. the Super Bowl wait, then. Was You're that right. The Super, but it was Super Bowl three. It became Super Bowl three after they re they rebranded it backwards and so renamed my, the first hey, So my answer wasn't totally wrong. Yeah, it was pretty close to wrong. Remember, because that was the first time they played yeah, against no. each other, yeah. Ernie. Remember? That was the first time they played against each no, other. No, the Packers and Chiefs. The no. Packers and Chiefs played in the first Super Bowl. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Well, hey, is, is, is my fault I'm not as old as y'all? No. But it's your fault that you're acting hey. like you know everything. No, I was just saying, I, I, listen, when I hang out with you two, they call me youngster. Okay, hey, I know. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Who's the other two? All right, kid. Yeah, who else? The other two, it's it's Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, and Jacksonville. Thank you oh, very okay. much. All right, today's tickets, Chuck, which you know is painful. Sunday's tickets go up to as much as $44,000. How much did the ticket cost for Super Bowl one? $5. $15. Right in the middle, 12 bucks for the best seat in the house. I was closer. Wait, wait what's tickets to the Super Bowl? Between 6300 and 44000 I don't give a damn how much money you got. If you pay $44,000 to go to the Super Bowl, you a damn fool and an idiot. That's crazy. The only way I would pay $44,000 to go to Super Bowl, I'm going to be helping Andy Reid call plays of Kyle Shanahan. And you're sitting next to Taylor Swift. That's exactly right. There you that's, go. That's the only way. I would have to be calling plays with Shanahan and Andy Reid for $44,000. I'm not going to no, know. That's crazy, man. But then they, if you were calling plays, then they wouldn't win. And then the whole left-wing conspiracy doesn't that's go right, down. That's right. That's right. All right. That's right. What else you got, TK? <laughs> we all know Tom Brady's the leading passer in Super Bowl history. Who is the leading rusher of all time? Oh, so somebody. It's got to see. Okay, the Cowboys went three years in a row. They won three. So Emmett's in the conversation. Uh, the Patriots always had a mixture of running backs. How many times did Marcus Allen go? Once. With the, with the with the with the with the uh, Raiders, he won it. Went that no, one. He time. went twice, Chuck. Marcus did. Yes. Who did he went? He had that great run. Did he go with Kansas City? No. I'm gonna take a guess. Roger Craig. No. Franco Harris. Of course, I should have known. How do we not know that? Well, they did win for a Super Bowl. Franco yeah. Harris was a really nice guy. Yeah. I miss Franco. I didn't I didn't know him really, really well, but I was around him a few times. What a really nice man. Rest in peace, Franco. All right, last one, guys. Only one player has won the MVP of the game and lost the game. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. Bingo. Um, Bob Lilly? No, close. Randy White? The linebacker. Oh, uh, Chuck How Chuck Howley? You got it. Yeah. Chuck Howley. There you go. Man, hey. That's, lot of, that's pretty good right there. A lot there. of stuff in here, Ernie. There is a lot of stuff in here. Lot of stuff in here. <laughs> TK. TK. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, how many of those images did you steal? 
Half of them. A half of them. <laughs> Apparently, that's going around now. You could just snatch them. <laughs> I, I just got my chisel out and chiseled my name on it, Chuck. <laughs> that's all you got to do now. I can't wait to go to the Emmys this well year. Well played, TK. Uh, Always uh, good to see you. Good to be seen, guys. Have a good show tonight. I'm never going to lose an Emmy again. I'm just going to take one and sh- Chisel my name on it. <laughs> Ooh, these things. <laughs> what a haul for the truckster. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. And we uh, welcome you back inside the steam room where... Uh, our final segment. I tell you what, man. What? The last two weeks between Rex Chapman and Michael B. Jordan, this has been good. This man. is, yeah, this yes. is, uh, doesn't get much better than that. It does not get much yeah. better than that. And and I got to give a shout out, man. To have it on television now, too, is even better. It's kind of fun to watch it on True yes. TV, isn't it? Yes. Um, so, uh, Chuck's answering machine, the number is. 404-987-3-0-404-987-0-3-3-0. Very nice. Very nice. nice. Call one. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. I'm a high school teacher at Brookwood High School in Snellville, Georgia, and a loyal steamer. So I'd like to start this call off with a first of all. First of all, thank you, Ernie. This past week, you visited UGA, and you stopped by an intro to reporting class. And in that class was my daughter, Blake. And somehow, y'all two decided to place an emergency FaceTime call to me during my school day. I answered the phone, and not only was it not an emergency, it was Ernie just calling to say hello. It made my day. It made my daughter's day. My question for both of you is about golf. I'm an avid golfer, and I love it when y'all talk about golf. It's obvious how much both of you enjoy the game. So my question is, where's your favorite place to play? Thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all. And my towel's been on for the entire call. Well, number one, you know how I feel about teachers. Uh, Nothing but love and respect for teachers. You know, my girl Maggie, your daughter, special ed teacher. And I just have a lot of admiration for teachers. And, man, thank you for being a teacher. We need more male teachers, too. Um, Golf. Oh, I got to give a shout-out. To my boy Nick Dunlap, he's debuting this week yeah. uh, at Pebble Beach. I got a chance. Uh, one of my friends from Alabama, Jeff Curl, who played on a PGA Tour a long time ago, then he he became a house husband, uh, more like a housewife. Uh, he always catted for Nick. He said, "I want you to play golf with this kid." He was in high school, so I played golf with uh, Nick quite a few times the last really? three or four years. And before he even went to Alabama, and man, what a great kid. And obviously shocking the world, being an amateur winning the American Express a couple of weeks ago and decided to, hey, you know what? Let me go big boy hunting and fishing. And he's debuting this week. So shout out to Nick. I can't wait to go home and watch after we tape this thing. My favorite golf course in the world is Salkin Valley. They have three golf courses, the Old Course, the Grace, and uh, Way Hill. It's about an hour outside of Philadelphia. Those are, those are, I, I never get tired of playing up at uh, Salkin Valley. And I mean, on a regular basis, too. I'm, 
uh, obviously where we played the Black Masters, uh, the yes. legends at Chateau, Chateau Alon. Yeah. Uh, also love the Creek Course uh, down in uh, Hammock Dunes uh, in Florida. Also, he made the point about the uh, FaceTime call. So I was at Georgia, and I was teaching a class last week. Um, and also just visited a few classrooms. And so Blake was in one of these one of these places, and she's like, and I was asking for questions and that kind of thing. And she said, my dad uh, is the biggest fan of Inside the NBA. He loves you. Blah, blah. I said, well, get him on a phone. What's he doing? He said, well, he's teaching right now. And so the phone rings. He doesn't pick up. And then she texts, I really need you to pick up the phone. Is it an emergency? Sort of. <laughs> so, sort of. so we FaceTime and he picks it up and he's walking the halls at Brookwood High School and I had a chance to say hey That's dude, awesome. it was a lot of fun. Lot that of fun. is awesome. I will say this. Shout out to a friend of mine, Jason Brady. Took me to Augusta National last year. One of the greatest days in my life. Uh, just knowing the history, just being there, bumping into Lou Holtz there. I'm like, Coach, what the hell are you doing here? But, man, walking the grounds of Augusta National was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play yeah, there. Played with my dad one day. Did you really? Yeah, back in 1998. Uh, but, Never forget. But my, in, in my everyday life, Saucon Valley is my favorite. Those three courses. Next up. What's up, Chuck? What's up, EJ? I don't have a question or anything like that. I just wanted to say, I saw the Inside the NBA documentary a few years ago, and I'm with you, Chuck. You cut your pancakes before you eat them, not as you go. You cut them before you eat them. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> See, all right. Hey, first of all, are, are we are we not screening the callers anymore? Hey, first of all, and Chuck's answering machine. Hey, my man. Number one, thank you for being on my side. You always cut your entire pancakes up, just like your just and, like and, your entire steak and your entire steak, and you put the syrup on there. Then you put the Heinz 57. Your mouth is watering as you, as hey, you describe you that it, process. It, it, it marinates, Ernie. Uh -huh. It marinates, just like the syrup marinates. Yeah. Because, okay. uh, you know, uh, Heinz 57 is my favorite condiment. Yeah. Is that a condiment? Yeah, it is. Okay. I just love, I put, <laughs> I, eat, I eat Heinz 57 <laughs> on everything. Steak, chicken. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. I, I do. I like me some Heinz 57. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Okay, let's see if they do any better with call three. <laughs> hey, Charles. Old Menace West, Barry D and Tommy T here. And we've got a question that regards your gambling technique. So I heard that roulette-wise, you have a quadrant. A, I don't know if that's the proper word, but a section that you bet that is all together on the wheel, like six numbers. So if the ball bounces, you can maybe win because it's going to bounce into one of your numbers. Is this true or is this myth? Thank you for your time. Uh, well, it is true, but it's 10 numbers. It's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 17. Wait, I'm missing something. 2, 4, <laughs> this is, this is entertaining. 15, 17, 19, 21, 25, 32, 34. It's whatever quadrant of that is. The, yeah, it's 10 numbers in a row. I think I got most of those right. Uh, but 31, uh, 15, 17, 19, 23, 25, 32, 34. Hike. Yeah, but uh, I love roulette. I mean, my game of choice is always uh, blackjack, but I love roulette. I love roulette. I can't, uh, I do. I love watching you rattle off numbers and count on your fingers at the same time. Because well, there's 10 like, numbers in I know, a row. I, know. I haven't played roulette in a minute, <laughs> uh, but I do. Maybe uh, because that doesn't work for you? 
Well, it works sometimes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it works sometimes. I mean, gambling, yeah. you pretty much say yeah. that. Uh, you it know, works every, every sometimes. Time, every time my financial people yell at me. Mm-hmm. Quit playing that roulette, Chuckster. Uh, no, they tell me to quit gambling. I said, man, I got a 50 chance, 50% chance of winning every time I gamble. I said, I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose. Yeah. That's 50-50 in Chuck's eyes. Please, next call. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Ernie. This is Nell, a loyal steamer calling from the mean streets of Milwaukee. Hey. I was curious, since you were recently talking about your morning routines, if you had no obligations, what would be your ideal going to bedtime and getting up in the morning time? Thanks so much. Well, I think, ideal. I, uh, I, I think that people close to me know I have a sleeping disorder. Uh, I sleep about four hours a night. I would love to sleep more. I just go to bed whenever between 2, 3 in the morning. Uh, I just lay there and watch television. But I wish that I could. I wish I, I don't think I've ever slept eight hours in a night. Uh, but I sleep, about, I, I do. It, it's a problem. But there's nothing I can do about it now because it's, it's just routine. I sleep about four hours a night. I sleep between normally like 2 to 6 or 3 to 7. Wow. Yeah. Man, Chuckster. I would love to sleep more. Yeah, I just it and just, you can't and you can't get some kind of help oh, with that from a sleep expert. Well, I've tried every sleeping drug there is. Uh, Have you gone to a sleep expert? Well, first of all, I told you there's no such thing as an expert. Okay. I'm, Quit saying I'm, that. I'm, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's stop no suggesting that. anything. Okay, there's no such. But thing I know you know what I I stay up late too. You know, a lot of times because I'm. Watching games late yeah. and doing work late, um, but if I can get six to seven, I'm usually good to go. You know, sleep. You know, one to seven to eight. You know, I usually and I, I I usually can do that. Yeah, usually, I wish I, I could can. sleep like a normal person. Uh-huh. I just haven't been able to do it. Yeah. Well, if you were a normal person. Anyway, uh, we always finish <laughs> a show now with uh, "Good for the Soul." Yes. EJ is good for the soul. I think that would be a great way to end the show. Love that idea. Good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. And got to credit the Chuckster for for coming up with this one, because this is a great piece of video. It melts my heart, Ernie. Yeah. It melts my heart. This This little guy, what, seven years old? I don't know how old he is. Yeah, I think, and just trying to console one of his friends, classmates, or classmate who had been uh, been called a name by somebody else. Uh, you, like, oh, if, let's, if let's, this does not melt your heart, there's something wrong with you. Let's watch it. Don't listen to a guy that called you dumb. Listen to yourself. Ignore this guy, whoever it is. Just stop talking to people that called you dumb. Tell her what she is. She's. You are smart. No, you're smart. You're fucking nice, bro. Don't look at me. Do you want to go play with him? Go ahead. Okay. Wow. Chuckster, that's gold, man. Man, when I saw that, Ernie, it brought tears to my eyes because... We get beat over the head with so much negativity. Yeah. For that kid to do that, man, it just, if you if that don't make you f- think about good stuff, there's something wrong with you. And, and you can tell, too, that it's 
that it's a new yeah. friendship. You know, she's saying, do you want to go play with him? Yes. Like, it's like, yes. that was tremendous. Yeah, that was tremendous. Uh, man, that made, that make that makes my heart feel good. Yeah, it's, it is, as they say, good for the soul. And that's this edition of the Steam Room. Yes. Um, thank you so much, you loyal steamers, for joining us. And uh, we always look forward to this. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait till next week. We'll look ahead to the Super Bowl. And, oh, yeah. And who knows what else we've got up our sleeves. I'm going to win a bet. Sooner or later. It's always a 50-50 proposition. 50-50 proposition. <laughs>